Hey everyone, Jabez here from the Library Scoop, the official podcast of the Niles Main District Library. And for this series, we're calling it Niles Best, celebrating all things Niles. And for this episode, we're talking to Tom Ferrero, the president of the Niles Historical and Cultural Center, to discuss the center itself, but also that famous sculpture that's on Tui Avenue called the Leaning Tower of Niles. This is a very impactful episode, and I hope you enjoy. My name is Tom Ferraro. I am the president of the Niles Historical Society. It's actually the Niles Cultural Museum and Historical Society. Um, I have been the board president for the last couple of years. I've been on the board for several years. Um, I'm kind of the de facto village historian uh, operating out of the museum. I am the author of the Arcadia Publishing Images of America book, Niles, The Early Years, which is the history of Niles from 1832 to about 1955. I'm currently working on the second book in the series, which is called Niles, The New Era, which will cover from 1955 until 2000. Wow, that's a huge range of history at Niles. A lot of history there, Chavez. It's pretty surprising for a small village. Uh, A lot of stuff going on there. Absolutely, and that's the best part about our conversation. We are located in the old three-story Cook County Highway Police Station, which was um, built between 19 and 19, 1924 and 1925 to replace a temporary structure that was located in Morton Grove near Dempster and Waukegan. The Cook County Highway Police was a relatively young police organization back then that provided police services to all the unincorporated areas in uh, the north and northwest suburbs, and there were quite a few of them. So the guys in that station would have covered a very wide territory. Um, And so the building itself is obviously loaded with history. I mean, we could do a whole separate podcast on the history of that building, but that remained in use as the Cook County uh, Sheriff's Police Station until the 1980s. We got the building back in the 80s, or I'm sorry, maybe in the 90s. We're our own not-for-profit organization. We're not directly affiliated with the Village of Niles, but we have a very close partnership with them. We've really tried and we're trying. It's a work in progress. We want to make it a more Niles-specific museum. You know, specific, there's so much history in the village I could rattle off, you know, several different things that you probably you may or may not even be aware of about Niles. So much rich history in this one little village, and it's all preserved, which I'm really glad to hear. Uh, just out of curiosity, is the museum open for the public currently, or how's that work for visitation? Um, we're getting ready. I think that it's fair to say that right now we could probably accommodate small private tours. Uh, for people that want to look around. Um, We're kind of under construction right now. We have a brand new exhibit on St. Hedwig's Orphanage. We have have completely recreated Mayor Nicholas Blaze, um, who achieved some level of infamy and was the mayor of Niles for over 40 years. Uh, When he passed away, his family kept his office on Milwaukee Avenue completely intact. And we have replicated it down to the carpet in a room at the museum. You literally can walk in and see exactly what the mayor's office looked like for 40 years. And it's, I'm so proud of the exhibit. Our, our curator uh, did a fantastic job. And like I said, we've got some other great stuff planned. We've done some interviews. If, if you can believe it, the owner of the Mill Run Theater uh, in its heyday in the 70s and 80s, we conducted about three interviews uh, via Zoom 
with him and his stage manager over the last couple of months. And we're going to be using that information as well as 1,500 photographs that we acquired on the Mill Run Theater on acts that played there, you know, acts on stage. Uh, we're going to incorporate all that into a brand new Mill Run exhibit, which I'm I'm personally am really looking forward to because I, I love Mill Run. I went there as a kid. I went there as an adult. I, I think in the coming months, it's going to it's going to get a little bit better. And right. we're looking towards opening fully, you know, with the end of the pandemic or when we can see the end in sight, I should say. No, absolutely. No, that's great to hear. And we'll talk more about uh, where people can get more information about the museum and cultural center. Now, let's talk about there's a special little building on Tuvia Avenue. For the audience who has never heard of this uh, building, it's called the Leading Tower of Niles. As far as I know, the half-sized replica of the Leaning Tower of Pisa in Niles is the only structure of its kind in the United States. And I could be wrong. There might be smaller ones out there. Nothing on this scale and nothing this accurate. The Leaning Tower that we're talking about in Niles has always had this kind of kitschy reputation as a roadside attraction and something that makes people raise their eyebrow if they happen to drive by. Like, what is that? You know, right. and um, I, you know, it's 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 like the you know the, the giant statue of uh, Paul Bunyan in Brainerd, Minnesota. It's it's an it's an eye catcher, you know. But I think that recognition with the um, National Register is it takes it out of the realm of cartoonish roadside attraction, and it sort of legitimizes it as you know truly a historical place, which it is. You know, and we're going to talk about the history of it. But um, this this is a lot more than just um, you know the old gift shop for the YMCA, which it was at one time. I think that this kind of recognition, it also solidifies Niles' relationship with Pisa. Uh, they are sister cities, um, you know, which basically amounts to a, a ceremonial joining of culture and education and business. You know, the Sister Cities program in Niles is a uh, also a not-for-profit organization, not much different than the Niles Historical Society, not directly connected to the village or as a part of the village, but operating uh, under the under the um, guidance and cooperation of the village. I think that, you know, as a historian, I love to see the fact that it's on the National Historic Register because, you know, anything that puts the town or the village on the map as, you know, a genuine uh, historical place, you know, is good for me. No, I get it. And you're absolutely right. Well, Robert, Alexander Eel, who's born in 1879 in Germany, emigrates to the United States somewhere around the 1890s uh, to San Francisco, um, has a very special relationship with the YMCA, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, going back to uh, being a kid because um, when he gets to San Francisco in 1890 with his widowed mother from Germany, the San Francisco YMCA uh, helps them out and helps support them. So he never forgot that. Okay. So he is, um, he moves to Chicago and by 1907, he founds the Eel Hot Air Electric Ventilating Company, uh, which is um, located at 2850 North Pulaski Road in Chicago uh, near Diversity. And it actually stays in business until the 90s. Oh, wow. um, and what, what Robert invents is um, elaborate ventilation systems for um, indus industrial applications and restaurants. And it makes him very wealthy. Um, so 
I think as an inventor, he admires Galileo. Um, I know that when he dedicates the Leaning Tower in Niles, um, he dedicates it to the memory of uh, Galileo and specifically cites that in 1632, uh, Galileo proved that objects of different weights fall at the same rate of speed by dropping objects from the top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, the actual Leaning Tower of Pisa. And he notes that they you know, descend in a uniform manner. So I think that's the tie there because he's an inventor as well. And he's kind of a, a maverick and a groundbreaker in his line of work, electrical ventilation. The interesting thing is, is that in the uh, 60s, engineers actually used the replica tower in Niles to uh, test model rocket re-entry parachutes that are being designed for our uh, Apollo space program. Oh, wow. So that, that's actually, you know, kind of cool. Like we have our own little tie to, uh, you know, science and gravitational experiments. Right. So, so yeah, so I think that that's, that's what the allure was for Robert and Galileo, you know. So just give me a brief history of what was going on as Robert was building the Leaning Tower of Niles. Now, that, that's a good one. And I'm going to shamelessly plug my book right now, Niles, the Early Years, because Absolutely. I spend a lot of time in that book talking about what's happening in Niles in the 1920s and 1930s, um, especially uh, as it relates to the backdrop of prohibition. And um, I can tell you in this, you know, I think people find this kind of stuff interesting. Uh, Niles was wide open in terms of organized crime, illegal gambling, illegal alcohol uh, production, consumption, speakeasies. Um, Niles didn't have the most speakeasies. That uh, distinction belonged to neighboring Morton Grove. Uh, but we definitely had our fair share. Um, we had uh, the club at Lasta, which was also called the Club Alaska. Uh, that was located in um, on Hearts Road, um, just um, east of Milwaukee Avenue, and uh, that that structure actually stands. It was the caretaker building for the uh, Niles uh, for the um, Cook County Forest Preserve there, Bunker Hill Woods, for a long time. Uh, but it was originally a speakeasy. There was actually a murder there. Um, Roger Tuey's um, mob or organized crime outfit was constantly at war with um, the Chicago outfit under Al Capone. They were fighting over uh, beer turf and um, who's going to supply the beer to the speakeasies. We had fire bombings. We had murders. Some of them are uh, detailed in my book, Illegal Slot Machine Capital of the Chicago Area in the 1940s and 1950s. There's some great newspaper articles out there about how uh, Niles was the slot capital. Uh, Tam O'Shanter Golf Course had a complete elaborate illegal casino in the basement. Um, Tony Accardo, Jake Guzik hung out there under assumed names. Uh, there were roulette wheels and raids and all kinds. Of, I mean, it was right out of the TV show, The Untouchables. Right. How did the Leaning Tower of Niles actually come to Niles? Okay. You- yep. Here we go. So in 1932, Robert establishes Iliar Park, which is a privately owned resort um, at 6300 West Tui, where the Leaning Tower YMCA currently sits. Right. Um, he made it as a weekend getaway for his employees and their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, not long after it opened, he opened it to the public, probably for financial reasons, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, the um, 40 by 70 foot swimming pool and man-made Lake Caldwell were fed by some deep underground springs that were pumped out by a very traditional metal kind of ugly windmill type structure with a with a, an aluminum or steel shed 
nearby that housed the pumping equipment. And Robert gets the idea that this is ugly and he wants to improve the appearance. So he decides to construct a half-sized replica of the Leaning Tower of Pisa and turn it into a pumping station and water tower mm. to supply his giant swimming pool and Lake Caldwell. Wow. So that's how it that's how it comes about. If I could just for one second just describe the park a little bit. It was kind of a cool place. Lots of tree-lined paths. The uh, north branch of the Chicago River was on the southwest corner of the property. Um, he had uh, artistic footbridges, a pavilion or colonnade at the north end of the pool, very ornate, a diving tower to the swimming pool, an observation tower on the grounds, and a giant Spanish uh, Moorish architectural style field house on the east side of the park. Um, it was really a, a really cool, elaborate place. That swimming pool had an underground tunnel built completely around the perimeter of it. You could go down into the tunnel and watch the swimmers underground through lighted portholes. Wow. Yeah, very, very, very cool. You know, they don't just, they don't do stuff like that anymore. Um, yeah. At the time, uh, Eel claimed it was the largest pool in uh, the state of Illinois. And interestingly enough, in the 1930s, the pool hosted its own swimming, uh, swimming team made up of, uh, of kids from all over the area that competed with other field houses from parks in the Chicago Park District, uh, and Robert's son was uh, on one of those uh, was in one of those classes of uh, juvenile swimmers that swam there. And the swimming program was huge there all through the 1940s. That's that's interesting. So it's kind of like Six Flags of the 1930s. I think so. I think that's a good way of describing it. That's incredible. Uh, by any chance, is like, did current, are we currently or in the past, did we offer like private tours of the Leaning Tower? So, because this all sounds so amazing. Well, the YMCA used it as their gift shop for a while in the 60s and 70s. And yeah. then it was kind of closed to the public because it was badly in need of repair. There was a newspaper article that came out within the last 10 years or so that said that the tower was, you know, in bad, badly in need of rehabilitation. Right. And um, uh, I know Mayor Shabillo was highlighting that, but that was before it got uh, put on the National Historic Register. And from what I understand, probably some money definitely poured into that, mm -hmm. you know, before it went on the National Historic Register. Correct me if I'm wrong, but are the bells are maybe 17th or 18th <laughs> Yeah, the bells. I'm glad you brought that up. Five bronze bells uh, in the Leaning Tower of Niles, three bare religious motifs in Latin inscriptions. Um, the writing on the Latin inscribed bells does suggest the age of the bells. Um, I know that uh, there was a mystery at one time about how did they get to Niles? How did they get to our Leaning Tower? And we found that three of the bells are dated from 1623, 1735, and 1747. The one that was cast in 1747, we know once hung in the village of Cavezzo in northern Italy. These bells found their way into a foundry in Italy in about 1934 because they had been replaced or they were going to be reforged or recast. And apparently, um, either Robert Eel or one of his agents acquired them directly from this, found this foundry in Italy, and uh, they were shipped to Niles in 1935. A fourth bell appears to have been created at a foundry in San Francisco 
and it bears an Italian uh, inscription, the word Vespruccio, which according to their research report is the name of one of the bells in the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So we've got two little coincidences there. We've got, you know, a bell that was cast with an inscription of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and it was done in San Francisco, which is Robert's original home in the United States. I'm saying probably not a coincidence. Right. The fifth bell, they were unable to date, and it's cracked, although it will be repaired and will ring again at some point. Even the bells have history, and it goes along with the journey of how it was with Robert and also with the Leaning Tower itself. Jabez, I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, the, 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 the history and the significance of the bells is what makes that Leaning Tower replica so much more than just a roadside attraction. Um, you know, we can definitely say that, obviously, you know, the bells are a big part of the, regist- the National Historic Registry with the tower, but it really goes a long way to legitimize this this structure as being truly historically significant. It's not just a novelty. Right, absolutely. No, uh, I, I'm just shocked, never realized like how much, just overall history that the bells and the temple has. I thought it was a more of a, like you said earlier, just more of a attraction to um, right. now stand up. So I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. And I think, uh, when people do listen to this, I, I will hope that people will get a deeper understanding of what um, the building represents to Niles, but also the history that it brings with it. What makes the Leaning Tower of Niles, Niles best? You know, people associate feelings and history and memories with places. I think that's why when places are no longer there or they get torn down, especially historical places or places like Kittyland and Melrose Park that had literally a million childhood memories attached to it. When right. those places are gone, people feel a huge void, you know, like a vacancy in their heart, you know, because the, you can't tie the feelings to the place anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, our leaning tower replica sitting in the background for all these years and always being there, the constancy of it. I think that gives people a sense of association with the village and, you know, like maybe a, a, um, you know, maybe in a, in a strange way, a little bit of pride, maybe they don't know the history of it, but maybe they could say like, you know, I'm from Niles, you know, the leaning tower replica, you know, that, that sort of thing. Right. But I think that, you know, it's it's definitely developed its own persona in, in, as far as, you know, in its own place in the village's history and, you know, in the sense of landmarks. It's a landmark. Absolutely. All right. My last question for you. And let's talk uh, about the future. And I know um, you mentioned earlier writing a book about the future of Niles. Uh, but let's talk about the future of the tower itself. Uh, when do you think it's going to open back up to the public? Do you think we're going to be able to see a display of the bells? And my personal question is, do you think people will ever swim in the Leaning Tower again? Again. Well, that's okay. Good, All good questions. I think there's some short answers to that question. One, as I stated, the last I heard, there was going to be some sort of a grand reopening this year. Um, I know we're, we're getting ready soon for a political changing of the guard. And I, I'm sure that the new administration is going to be, uh, you know, very big on history and very big on our landmarks and our, you know, the stuff that we're proud of. So I think that 
the tower is going to feature prominently in our in our village identity in the next few years. Um, I think that if Mayor Shabillo's vision of that area as a Ravinia-like, um, you know, Central Park slash entertainment area comes to fruition, which I would love to see that happen, I think that the tower is very likely going to be the center of that. And that brings us to the final question about the swimming. You know, that would depend on, you know, what what goes up in the area there. You know, if we don't get a pool or another Lake Caldwell, which, you know, I don't, I would never say never, but I'm not 100%. You know, I think we might see some fountains and I don't know if anybody might want to just, you know, take a dip in the fountain or whatever. But the closest you might get to swimming near the tower is to go to the uh, the Chicago River less than a mile away and dip your feet in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. You know, I, I think it's going to depend a lot on what we get over there, you know? Never afraid to dream, right? I'm never afraid to dream, Jabez. I hope you're not either. Never. So for people to get more information from the Historical Society or from you about your studies of Niles, where can we find that? Do a Google search for the Niles Historical Society and Museum. You'll get our uh, our website, which I believe you can also link to through the Village of Niles website. Um, it's a work in progress right now. Uh, the museum is going to be taking some giant steps in the next couple of years. New exhibits, interactive exhibits. Um, you know, I plan on resuming our... Um, our presentations, uh, that which we have, um, you know, monthly presentations. I give some of those as well on the history of Niles. Um, I do some specific topics as well, and I'm really looking forward to doing that and getting some great speakers and great entertainment in there. Um, so in the next couple of years, you can definitely look to see your historical society and museum becoming very revitalized with new exhibits and new presentations and becoming a very uh, interactive part of the community. That's a lot. <laughs> right, like you drive by there, you see it, and you're thinking, you know, what, what's the history here? Well, there's a lot, it turns out, you know? Absolutely. I can't thank Tom enough for joining me for the podcast to discuss the Cultural Center and the deep history of the Leaning Tower of Niles. To get more information about the Historical Society, check out their website at nileshistoricalandculturalcenter.org. Again, it's nileshistoricalandculturalcenter.org. And don't be afraid to check out the Leaning Tower of Niles on Tubi Avenue. Again, thank you for joining me for this podcast, and I hope to hear from you soon.